This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. JCPenney is helping hardworking families across America save even more all Labor Day weekend. That's right, we got you. Celebrate a four-day super savings weekend with 20% off already great prices. Plus, save an extra 10% across the store. That's extra, extra savings in addition to our huge end-of-summer deals. Grab your coupon on the JCP app and save all you want. Shopping is back. JCPenney. Coupon required and valid on select styles 9-2-9-5. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWH employee. Tonight we talk about a loss, but a loss to a top side away from home with a performance we can be proud of. That sets us up nicely for a massive game against Leeds on Monday, which gives us the opportunity to protect our top four status. Just 12 games left now, but how many points can we expect from the next four? That will take us to the home straight of eight games to go, and that's when it really starts to get serious. X will be giving us exclusive news and views before ending the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. That's all coming up on tonight's show. We went to City on Saturday. It doesn't get any tougher than that, but we held our own, didn't we? Yeah, I thought we played quite well. To be honest with you, mate, I mean, Man City are blatantly going to win the league. They're head and shoulders the best team in the league this season, and they're battering teams, and, you know, they're on an unbelievable run of form as well. So they're clearly the hardest team to play, and, and obviously we're away. I know away fixtures don't quite mean the same thing at the moment, but still, we were away, and, and we matched them, mate, and, you know, I thought a draw would have been a fair result. So what I said last week... um on the show was that as long as we didn't go there and get battered, then we had nothing to kind of lose. And we just need to take everything um, but a battering as, as a, as a a continuation of the the good former in. And the fact that we did play so well, they, they can't be disappointed. They just have to take that as almost a positive into the next game. I'll make you right. I mean, we dug deep, we were resilient. 
well organised and we had a go. And like you say, X, Man City are 15 points clear now. They're not going to win the league. They're going to absolutely piss it this season. Yeah. Yet we went there and could have got something from the game. And at full time, I just felt an overwhelming sense of pride. I mean, those boys put in a shift for that badge every single week. And as West Ham fans, we've only ever demanded 100%. And this season, we've got that from this group. And they are a group who don't like to lose. Um, this goes beyond a pay packet for them. I mean, at full time, Shufal fell to his knees like he'd lost the cup final. And it says a lot about the winning mentality we have these days. It's a pleasure to watch, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. That Shufal moment was brilliant. It epitomises everything you just said there in terms of the effort and the, the disappointment of losing to such a good team. You know, you you yourself on... Um, for many years now have said that you wanted West Ham um, to have a winning mentality. Yep. And I think the fact that that was his reaction shows that they now have, uh, um, which is a massive shift in mentality over recent years. And what was so good about that reaction, and it, it links to what we I said about making things e- easy for the new social media people. I mean, all you needed to do again is film that reaction and play it to West Ham fans and immediately, like it's done with you and I, it gives you that feel-good factor of yes, our players really, really want to win every single game and, and will battle to the very end. And I mean, Shu Fatal um, was just absolutely superb again, you know, and what an absolute bargain he's turning into. I mean, he is becoming my favourite player because I just love his attitude. I love his ability. I love his sort of personality. I mean, I don't know him, but from what I can gather from, um, you know, just looking online and, and watching things and stuff, I just really, really like the fella and I really like the team. And like you said, it was a, a real sense of pride. Every um, friend of mine that supports um, other teams said to me, mate, you're unlucky there. You played really well. It's the best I've seen someone um, have a go at Man City. And, you know, it means a lot that every time my fa- my friends are watching my team, they're impressed. Yeah, 100%. And what you said there about having a winning mentality, that is always something that I've wanted West Ham to have. And this season, since leaving the bowling, is the first time I've seen it. I mean, I go back to that public spat I had with Declan Rice on Twitter. Do you remember that? Yes, mate, I do, yeah. And do you know what? I look back then, and yeah, I don't want to sound like a prick, but I think I was right. And I think this season is proving me right, because you look at how far we've come. Declan Rice was kind of projecting the fact that he was really happy with a draw against Sheffield United, and we'd done well to earn that point. And for me, that wasn't good enough. I want these players to think they can win every single game, go out and try and win every single game. And if you draw with Sheffield United, be absolutely fucking gutted. Look at Shufal. He's the poster boy for the point that I'm trying to make. He's just lost to who will be the champions, and no doubt at some point the champions of Europe. And he's fell to his knees in complete and utter disgust and disappointment that he hasn't walked off that pitch as a winner. And that is a winning mentality. That's what I've wanted to see since leaving the bowling. And that's what I've wanted to see this season. And this season, we've got it. And it is a buzz. It's an absolute buzz. And I I couldn't be prouder of the boys. I really couldn't. Uh, Talking about the boys as a group against Man City, who was your man of the match? 
Uh, probably Schiffel, to be fair. I uh, thought, mm. thought he was absolutely superb, both defensively and attacking. Um, you know, we were playing against the best attacking team in the league. And I can't remember who their left winger was now, but whoever it was gave him no no problems at all. Um, I thought he was yeah, absolutely superb. But you always get the standard eight stroke nine stroke 10 out of 10 performance from Declan. But, you know, he was really, really good, particularly the first half. Um, but I think if I had, yeah, if I had to pick, well, which I did pick on the Patreon site, I went for Shafal. Yeah. Well, I agree with you and I agree with the patrons who did give it to Shafal with Fulnaus in second and Declan Rice in third. Apart from losing the game, was there anything that you wasn't happy with against City? Um, <laughs> very, very harsh. This comment, very, very harsh, but because you've asked the question, I think the keeping was a little bit questionable. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I'd, I'd like to have, obviously you can't prove it in, in any way, but I'd like to have known what would have happened with those goals if Fabianski had been in goal. Um, I, because I, I don't know, I just think he could have done a little bit better. I might be being harsh, but I think he could have been done, he could have done a little bit better. And obviously he's carrying some form of knock that he wasn't able to kick it properly again. Um, and maybe the keeping could have been a bit better. Uh not really. You know, we didn't create a huge amount of chances, but then you expect that when you're away from home against Man City, and we created enough for a 2-2, maybe to be a fair result. Uh, so I can't criticize that really. So if you're being pernickety, um, then it may be the keeping. So when you talk about the keeping, you're talking specifically about the first talk about both the goals, to be honest with you. I think he was a little bit like slow for the second one, positioning a little bit questionable. And yeah, the first one I thought possibly could have done better as well. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because one of our patrons, I saw it flash up and um, apologies to the patron in question because the name escapes me. But I remember him saying, um, I'm not being funny, but I used to be a goalkeeper and he should be saving that. I think listening to what he said and listening to what you said, I think that's I harsh. do think it's harsh, but I'm only saying it because you asked the question. Had you not asked the question, mm. I probably wouldn't have said anything. But if you're really looking for things, I just, I just don't know. If Fabianski would have maybe done a bit better, he might not have. He might not have saved them. But the fact I've got that question in my head makes me think, well, maybe he was. He could have done better. Well, I'll tell you what. When um, lockdown's lifted, why don't we um, pick a patron at random to whip the ball into me over at the park. I'll put my head on it and we'll see if you can stop it. Mate, there's no, for, for not one second have I ever claimed that I'm a good enough Premier League goalkeeper. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that I stand at five foot seven might be, might, <laughs> might be a bit of a problem with this whole thing anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? From my point of view, I mean, like my post-match video on Patreon, um, this has been picky, really. A bit like you, you know, you, you can't pick the bones out of it too much. There was a few things that, a few question marks for me. The keeper wasn't one of them, actually. So it's interesting to hear your take on it. But for me, and I'm not going to dig him out, but Ben Johnson was yeah, poor. Yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah. that's true. I thought he didn't have his best game, mm. yeah. No, he didn't. I mean, it was the worst I've seen him in a West Ham shirt. But listen, he's still a kid, and he's a kid who's been brilliant for West Ham when he's played for mm. us. And let's not forget, the games that he has played, 
the vast majority of them have been against top four opposition. Exactly. I mean, he must have played it better against Man City at least two times now because it wasn't his debut yeah. against them. So, you know, so, and what, what upset me a little bit though, mate, is when, you know, he didn't have his best game with both admitting that. And I think probably, you know, majority of the fans would say that. But I saw people on Twitter, oh, Ben Johnson, shit. He's not good enough. He's not Premier League quality. Uh, he's been shit today off. Like, you know, get rid of him. And I said, oh my goodness. Like, really? Seriously? I can't yeah. even be bothered to even no, actually, I'm not being that. funny. Are you surprised? Not really, but every time there is an element of surprise, I think, really, are you that stupid? And then I think, oh, mm. no, actually, yeah, this is quite common now. <laughs> so, uh, honestly, it's the one thing, well, not the one thing, one of many things I love about our move to Patreon is, we've said it before, the community of people that we've built here, and now the patrons are saying it themselves, get away from all that toxic shit on Twitter. Yeah. You know, cut out all the dead wood and be with what I believe are proper West Ham fans that speak sense, know their football, and, uh, and they're all good people, you yeah. know, and um, you don't see shit like that on our Patreon, but no. you see it from attention-seeking little fucking worms <laughs> that just want to cause a stir. And uh, I'm not surprised when I see shit like that. In fact, I expect it. Yeah. Um, and do you know what the sad thing is? And I do it myself. I think sometimes I'm guilty of seeing shit like that and then for a few seconds tiring the whole West Ham fan base with the same brush. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it, it sort of, I don't know, because you think, a fan or some fans are a representation of your club, you sometimes make the mistake of thinking, fucking hell, generically, we've got some twats in our fan base. But really, we've got some twats on social media. You know, there are still some some diamonds out there and some people that know their football and know what they're talking about. What you said about Ben Johnson, I saw it myself. It was diabolical, some of the comments, but I don't take any notice of him. Yes, he did have a bad game. He's been brilliant for West Ham so far and he'll continue to be brilliant because I genuinely think he's got a future. But City wasn't a great day at the office for him. My other gripes, whilst he was a man of the match contender, because I thought he played very well, I've looked at it a few times now, and I thought this as the goal went in, I thought for now should have covered Stones a lot quicker for their second goal. I, mm. I thought he was ball watching a little bit when that ball came back to him. I think if he'd have been a bit more alert, um, and a bit more defensively savvy and jumps in front of Stones quicker, we may have come away from, with a point. Um, mm. And then maybe, and a few people have said it, Moyes could have made some substitutions a bit earlier. Maybe. I don't know. Again, a little bit picky, perhaps. But, you know, if, if I was to answer my own question, those would be the, the standouts for me. Mm. Um, but listen to this. Here's an interesting stat, because I know you like stats, eh? <laughs> like I said to you before, if it's a meaningful stat, then, <laughs> then it's fine. But if it's things like, you know, I won't get into it, you know, I feel good. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah. No, well, I just, you know what? Just humour me for a minute, because okay. I quite I quite like stuff like this. Whether you will or not, I don't know. But big shout out to Manchester Andy, who sent me this earlier. West Ham are the joint second unluckiest team in Europe's top five football leagues this season. Oh, yeah, no, I saw that, and I do find that interesting. Yeah, go on, carry on. I do, right. this one's fine, yeah. Okay, oh, thanks, mate. I appreciate you approving <laughs> on that. You carry, you carry on now, <laughs> as you were. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Um, so for those who haven't heard this stat, and let's see if you think this is as interesting as me and X do, PSG and Leon are officially the joint unluckiest, hitting the woodwork a total of 19 times this season. Next comes Real Madrid, AC Milan and West Ham United, each hitting the woodwork 16 times each. And West Ham lead the Premier League table of hitting the woodwork, with Leeds in second with 15 and Dirty Tottenham in third with 14. It's two of our players have hit the woodwork three times each this season. Can you tell me who they are? 
Well, yes, come back. Well, no, not yes, I guess. But first of all, can I just go back to that stat? Name those European teams again to me. PSG, Milan, Madrid. And what was the other one? Leon, did you say? Right. So this stat is saying that the, the two unluckiest who are sitting first as the yeah. most unluckiest and they're joined are PSG and Leon. Yeah. Actually both in France. And then the second most unluckiest, there are three teams that are joint on this for hitting yeah. the woodwork 16 times each. Real Madrid, AC Milan and us. Right, see, what I, what I would say with that is, is unlucky the right word? Or is it those teams have probably created more chances than anyone anyway? Because from knowledge, and it's not great knowledge, but PSG, I'm assuming are walking away with the French League. I don't know for certain if they are or not. I'm assuming they are. Um, AC Milan, last time I looked, being an AC Milan fan, were second in the league behind Inter Milan, disappointingly. And I'm assuming Real Madrid are near the top in La Liga. Last time I looked, I think it might be Atletico Madrid, maybe. But I'm, I'm certainly sure that they'll be up in the top part of the league anyway. So did, could it not be, whilst unlucky, I understand it, because you've hit the woodwork, could it not be that you've created more chances to hit the woodwork from? Or could it be the opposite? Could it be you just got shit finishers? rather than being unlucky because still not hitting the target are they hitting the post I don't know I've lost interest now you know what <laughs> it's, it's typical of you you can't just say oh fuck that's a really good stat you pulled out there Dave you fucking killed it now everyone just wants us to move on now <laughs> do you know <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, mate? I, to, to be fair, when I saw that stat, I did screenshot it and I almost put it on the Patreon site. So I did show some interest in it. Um, right, the what was it? The two players that hit the work would work three times. Yes. Um, I seem to remember hitting the woodwork a lot from corners. So I'm going to go, it's got probably a centre back. I'm going to go with Bonner. Okay. And I'm going to go with. I've got like a picture for nails hitting the post at least once, but then part of me is thinking Antonio as well. I go for nails. Oh, do you know what? Being the friend that I am, I'm going to give you those two. Yes. Because, because you was wrong on a bonner. Okay. Though I understand conceptually how you came to that. The yeah. two players are Fornells and Antonio. Yeah, there you um, go. Fornells, um, I can picture a couple of them. Like one of them was scu- like a kind of scuffed side foot that, that sort of bounced into the post. And then there was one at, was it Leeds or Liverpool possibly? One there. Um, so yeah, I can kind of remember his ones. Mm, so they've hit the woodwork three times each, Declan Rice twice with others once. And West Ham only hit the woodwork a total of 10 times for the whole of last Premier League season. Again, that does link a little bit to what I was saying. <laughs> it does, actually. <laughs> no, no, we wouldn't have had as many shots either. So. Yeah, yeah. No, jokes aside, I think you make a fair point, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, you do make a fair point. But we've got Leeds on Monday X. Massive game. Massive game. If you're David Moyes, how are you approaching that game? Um, I'm going back to four at the back, I think. I'm, yep. taking, I'm taking Ben Johnson out. Um, so I'm having... Fabianski, hopefully if he's fit, which you'll find out in my section. And then you'll have Chafel right back. I'd have, uh, not, well, he's not fit, uh, Dawson and um, Diop centre-back, Cresswell left-back. Then in my midfield, Rice and Suchek. And then I have the three, and I would go with um, Bowen, Lingard, I'd probably put Ben Rama in there because I think he played well against Leeds in the away game. And then I would have um, Antonio up front. Snap, snap. I think the only thing that we disagree on is if Bonner was fully fit, I'd bring him in for Diop. 
I don't know if I would disagree now because I, I see I wasn't overly convinced. But you up against Man City, I wouldn't say in a bad game, but mm. like I probably would keep him in at still, and I'd have him in. I'd have a Bonner on the on the bench, but I would be saying to you, you know, you got to impress me this game because look, Bonner's back. He's on the bench. You got to have a good game today, mate. Um, and uh, mm. and then see if he can rise to the occasion. And then um, if he can't, then I think I would bring Bonner in for the game after Leeds, but. It's hypothetical anyway, because I don't Elbona's not going to be back for Leeds. No, no. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of our game plan, we've just got to play the way we've been playing all season at home. Yeah. And that is high press, put pressure on the defenders, counter-attack at speed, be clinical in front of goals, strong on set paces, organised, disciplined, hungry, everything that's got us to where we are now. And um, I think we're going to win it. I think we've got to win it. You know what? Games like this, you have to win if you're going to be seriously talking about a top four finish. Because I've got to be oh, honest course, with you. Mate. But you know what, though, mate? I was thinking about this earlier on. And whilst we're at a stage where I think a lot of us are dreaming and we make jokes and then we have serious conversations around it, as much as I love everything about West Ham now and as good as I genuinely think we are and as good as I think the gaffer is and he's the man that's making all this happen, in my mind, I still can't believe that we can finish top four this season. Yet, when I think about the reasons why, I struggle to find any. I think I've got such a mental block with anything in relation to genuine success with West Ham, because I've never really seen it across the board. You know, you go back to the late 90s and playoffs and all that kind of stuff, yes. But to finish in the top fucking four would be... I don't think there's a word for it. Phenomenal is the one that comes to mind. I don't think that touches it with West Ham. But if we are going to defy the odds and do something like that, then forget Man City away. No one gets fucking points there this season. Leeds at home, we have to win that game. 100 I mean, the results today, I don't know if you've seen the results today so far, but two results are already in in the Premier League, which massively help us. So um, it's uh, Burnley 1, Leicester 1. So Leicester wow. didn't pick up three points there. And this is more of a shot, but Sheffield United 1, Aston Villa 0. Um, so, wow. yeah, and um, Palace are drawing nil-nil with Manchester United at half-time as well. So if those results stay the same, with us, with a, with a game in hand on Leicester and, and, and Manchester United, you know, if we was to win that game in hand, we go to 48 points, um, and then we'd be two behind Leicester and three behind Manchester United. Obviously, we've got Chelsea, Liverpool um, and Everton, like kind of hot on our heels at the moment, and Spurs, you know, whether they're going to get complete form or not, I'm not sure. Um, then, uh, then, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, mate. It's going to be tough. But what mm. we have to what we have to consider is we've played um, Man City uh, home and away now. Um, mm. We've played Liverpool um, home and away. Uh, have we played Leicester home and away? Uh, no, probably not played them at home yet, have we? No. Um, played Tottenham. Home and away. Uh, so we've played a lot of those top teams that we won't have to play them again this season now. So so I think um, I think that's good. And, you know, we've still got people like Burnley, Leeds, you know, um, teams like that still still mm. left to play. Um, and I think I think we can do it. I've not get fourth, but I think we can certainly challenge for it. And, I, and if we don't get a Europa League spot, I'd be very disappointed now. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Score Less. prediction 
for Monday. Well, let's just hope we could go on that European tour, though, as well, mate. I mean, like, let's think about it now. Let's just get a bit of excitement put in because we've been talking about a defeat. Yeah. Imagine if we do get, a, a, let's just say we get Europa League. Let's just think about some of those away days that we could do. You know, I like mm. we've said, hopefully we'd get the opportunity to go to a big club, you know, like, like an Italian team or a Spanish team or whatever. That would be amazing to go to a away game. But even like what you've said before, even like a, a cheeky little away day to Poland or Slovenia or somewhere <laughs> random like that, you know, would be would be would be amazing to just experience. So it's such a an exciting thought. And also hopefully on the back of like I don't know what the European countries are going to be like, but hopefully by next season we'll be able to actually physically go to games as well. So having not been for um you know over a year now, it'd be absolutely amazing to to um to have that. But Score prediction. Um, I think I'm going to go 2 0 West Ham. <laughs> Once again, snap. Oh, gosh, this is getting boring this week. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but you know what? Just to go back to what you were saying, you're absolutely right. I mean, I just hope we can contradict the song Bubbles this season. Yeah. And I hope, like my dreams, they don't fade and die because you're right. The European tour would just be incredible. And by the looks of things, old um, Bojo set out a timeline now where if we stick to it and life does resume normality this year, then it can happen. And just imagine not only having fans back at the game, but having fans on a European tour. I mean, West Ham, West Ham would be an incredible club to support. You know, we go for our hardships as West Ham fans and we love them through thick and thin, but this would be a time where we can actually puff our chests out and say, do you know what? Not only are we proud of our football club and the history and the heritage and everything that West Ham means to us, but we're actually a serious fucking side now. We're actually a proper football club. You know? make a big difference as well I think to our um, summer transfer prospects as well if you can say mm. to a player look come and join us it's our first season um, back in Europe since like the whole uh, Astro Gugu uh, um, <laughs> uh, disasters um, and we only qualified for that through the fair play award didn't we so um, mm. right, it's, just, it, it's our first time back look we might not have the squad to do much this year but it's the start of many hopefully where we'll be challenging regularly and we want to seriously challenge for the Champions League and when I look at that league table you know and like you it's just very very hard to put West Ham in that bracket I mean if you take if you take Leicester I guess as a as an equal sized club to West Ham. I mean, West Ham are probably, I would say, in my opinion, a bigger club than Leicester. Mm. I know Leicester have won the league, obviously, and we haven't, and they've done that recently and stuff. But if you go back sort of over the whole entirety of football, I would say we're a bigger club than Leicester. But if you look at the teams that are in the sort of top 10 of the league say well let's go top top 11 because you can include Leeds in that um, so you obviously you got Man City Manchester United Chelsea Liverpool Everton Spurs Villa Arsenal Leeds and when you think about mm. football they are the, like the biggest teams mm. I would say in foot, mm. in English football all and around us and there's us like and I know in the past we have been but certainly in mine and, and your t- lifetime we've really been a kind of maybe on average like a 12th 13th place Premier League team really so for us to be pushing into that that group there and seriously challenging it's, it's brilliant to see West Ham it's like you know when you look at like 
and then a German league or a Spanish league. And there's always like you look at it and you expect to see like Madrid and Atletico Madrid and Barcelona and some of those teams knocking around at the top. But you don't, but then there's always some sort of little random one in there. Uh, and I think we feel a little bit like that at the moment. And I know some fans will be annoyed with that because we have finished fifth before, we have finished third before. But really, if you was to do an average of our top division finishes, it's got to be around 13th, 14th, I would say. Um, so for us to be there is just really, really good. Mm. Well, some might say, X, it's the next level that the ball told us we'd get to. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I mean, it's the next level a lot later than they told us we'd get to it. But um, yeah, but, but not yeah. Being, I'm not being funny, though. It's, you know, this is the Premier League. This is the best league in the world. If we're four or five years late on that promise, the fact that it's here surely has to go some way to say that's off. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think the, the thing is, like, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but you're always going to get your people that will hate them no matter what. And their fundamental reason is they took the club away from uh, Upton Park and also they then sold a series of lies about the ground and about other things and took away kind of our identity as such and mm. also took away like our... Uh, I don't know what the word is, maybe morals, maybe, because of, like, the way they sort of lied and, you know, certain ways. They did things as a bit dodgy all the time and a bit weird how certain things happen at the club. So there'll always be that core group there that don't won't change even if we won the league five years in a row. Then you've got your sort of, like, people that um, are a bit like us, maybe, that sort of take it on a day-by-day thing. And then you've got your board supporters. I would have said last year, you've got maybe 95% that are GSP out. If we have a good season here, it would be interesting to quantify it. I still think it would be largely GSP out. But if you have a season where you finish in the Champions League, Yes, you cut. You don't change those ideas about, you know, the lies and stuff. But the most important thing to me, and I've always said this, no matter what's been going on at West Ham, is how well we're doing on the pitch. Mm. That is the most important thing to me. And of course, you know, I love the tradition of West Ham. I love the history. I love the fan base, like what we try to represent, our background and things like that but ultimately when I judge how happy my football team makes me I judge on how well we're doing on the pitch that's the Mm. most important thing and if we're finishing fourth in a row or above for the next five years then I'm going to be happy Mm. it's a results-based business mate it's a results-based business and don't get me wrong you know if it's the last game of the season and we've just qualified categorically for the Champions League and we turn up there to watch that game for a party atmosphere, and there is a 10,000-man demonstration on the mound, I don't think I can be part of that. And that and that's me being GSB out. I know some people listening to me now won't believe I am. I am. I am, because I really do understand the reasons why those people would be there protesting. But I, I just... I just... I don't know, X. We've suffered so much negativity... As West Ham fans, we see so much shit on a daily basis on social media. And I've almost been false fed, like everyone has. GSB out, GSB out, GSB out. They've done this, they've done that. Now, whilst I'm not disagreeing with what they're saying, I just really find it depressing, especially when West Ham are not doing well. And that, 
motivates me to get on the bandwagon to say, do you know what? This is right. This, this, is, this isn't good enough. You know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being happy with, with mediocrity and, and just floating above relegation every season. This isn't what this move was about. But if we've now qualified for the Champions League and everyone is buzzing and for the first time since leaving Upton Park, that cloud has been lifted for a day where we can all do the fucking conga around the London Stadium. I don't think I can break that conga to go and stand on a fucking hill and be so negative. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do, I do, mate. Yeah, no, I do. I do completely understand. I think the key thing for me with, with shifting, you know, <clears throat> the negativity and maybe having those protests and stuff is consistency. You know, we, we, we can't have this season and then not spend any money. We no. clearly we clearly need a new striker. We mm. have to sign at least one big name striker and then maybe one other possibly so that we've got three at least three competing with or at least two competing with Antonio for that forward position and then we probably need to sign I would say a keeper possibly in my opinion I, I, I as I said they're all getting on a bit the ones we've got um certainly not a hundred percent saying they need to replace Fabianski yet but they certainly need to have some sort of plan with a keeper going forward I think we probably need another central midfielder obviously no Noble, mm. um, I'd give him one more year, but only as a bit part player. I think we need someone in case Suchek or Rice gets injured. You need to get Lingard on a permanent and you need to get Dawson on a permanent. So it's things like that that we have to do. So if they do that in the summer and they spend the right amount of money and they say, look, we've, we've had a great season, the season that we promised you we'd have. Yes, it's late, but it's there. We're going to build on it. And they did. And then we had another good season. I'd start to think, you know, that okay, they should have done this, they should have done that, should have done that. I'm pissed off they did do that, but ultimately, yes, it was a bit late, but we got where we wanted to be, and it's just about building on it. And unfortunately, the only argument you can say is going into the January transfer window, we were in a very good position then, and they could have strengthened then, and they didn't. Now, yes, there's the the argument that David Moyes didn't want to strengthen, didn't want to spend the money on the players, mm. but we did identify that Nesri fella, the Sevilla forward why, why don't we put everything into signing him and then we'd have him and Antonio challenging for the forward position rather than you know literally praying that Antonio's hamstrings don't go well I think so, you've answered your own question though mate because it, I know you've heard and I've also heard that with Lingard he's so versatile that he could also play up front Worst yeah. case if Antonio's not injured. So in Moyes' mind, he's thinking, well, I could sign someone to, to, to step in for Antonio when he's injured, or I can cover all bases with Jesse, because I don't know what was said to Jesse with David Moyes, but I'd be very surprised if Moyes didn't sit down in a bid to entice him to West Ham and say to him, because I would have if I was Moyes, I'd have said, look, you're not getting any football at Man United. You're a top, top, top player. We are doing well as a football club. If you come to West Ham, you will play every single week. And the reason you'll play every single week is because of your versatility. I can either use you as an attacking midfielder or when Mickey's struggling, I can play you as a striker. So either way, you will play every week. And Jesse, you need to be playing every week if you want to get back into that England setup. Now, I can imagine that sort of conversation happened. Could he guarantee him football week after week after week if we'd assign that other fella? Because straight away, 50% of your options are playing Jesse's gone. 
because if Antonio gets injured, the other fella will come in and then Jesse only plays in midfield. He could still well play every single game, but the option to have him as that versatile attacking midfielder slash striker is gone. And Moyes being Moyes, he treats the club's money like his own money. He's got that nickname Divering Dave. It can be frustrating at times, but you know, on occasions, I think, do you know what? You're actually using your common sense. You're picking very, very carefully and you're building slowly. And I respect that. So I think in Jesse, you've got an attacking midfielder there, but you've also been clever enough to sign a substitute striker. So I think, especially in a January transfer window where it's notoriously very difficult to do business, where we probably could have been exploited for money and it's not a good time to sign players, I actually backed the decision, whoever's decision it was, not to sign him because of the versatility of Lingard. Mm-mm. Yeah, I know what you mean, and that's and I think that's probably what um what Moyes um what Moyes did. I think it is what he did. He signed um he didn't want to sign the forward because he thought Lingard was the person. He didn't want to get his big name forward in from Spain when he's not completely sure he's the right target. I mean, he's the one that it looks like he wants to sign, but he's not entirely sure he's the one that we want to sign. So, yeah, I think you're right. And so, yeah, he could say that the board didn't have much choice there, but, uh, you know, they like I say, the summer they've got to, in order to then convince me that they mean business here, they have to, they have to back. If Moyes says, I want to sign Tammy Abraham, he needs to be given the money to sign Tammy Abraham, whether yeah. it be that Tammy Abraham costs 40 million, 50 million, maybe even 60 million. We've got to just go out with it. If we could get two or three good, strong players that are going to be like you know able to play for our first team um they're not squad players they're first team players then we can build on what we've done this year um and you get a couple of free to sort of bolster your squad up a little bit if you're in the Europa League but two or three decent amount signings obviously like we said before it's shoot foul it doesn't have to be you know pay a lot of money for the sake of paying it but you need to get three top players um and then you need to get maybe another two or three to sort of bolster the squad a little bit if they do that then um then i then i think we need to start considering our opinions perhaps yeah i agree i agree and just to be absolutely clear because this is important i'm not now saying on the back of how well we're doing i want to see the board at west Ham for the next 10 years genuinely I am GSB out, subject to the right buyer coming in, which is equally as important. And we've said this before on the podcast. Um, everything you said is absolutely spot on. They have to make investment. Yeah, and they have to. They have to back David Moyes. I repeat what I've said in the previous show. It's not how much you spend, it's how you spend it. And Moyes, like I trust him 100% to do, he has to pick the right players. And if he needs six players, eight players, four players, whatever it is, just give him the money because you know he's not a Kevin Keegan type who says, all right, I'm going to need 300 million and then he'll work it out later. He's someone who is very calculated and respectful with the money that he's spending. So trust him with it, that they have to build on what we've done this season. Otherwise, it's a complete waste of time. So I want to make that very, very, very clear. I suppose really the bottom line of what I'm saying is we go through so much shit as West Ham fans It'd just be nice to have a little bit of time off and enjoy what we're going through at the moment. Yeah, 100%, mate. It really is. And I just think it would be nice. Like, life at the moment is very, very, um, like, depressing, you know. And I think, I think if we could just have that 
fact that we've had a good season at West Ham and enjoy it. It would be just really nice to do that. It really would. Mm, it would. Well, as always, it's time to tell you how we did in the Predictions League this week. Oh, happy days. Which, well, no, to be fair, mate, to be fair, hear me out. Um, of course, it's it hasn't finished yet because there are some games going on. I've done okay. Uh, you can find me on page one for those that are interested, uh, <laughs> um, with a score of 160 points this week. Annoyingly, X, to be fair, mate, you've done even better with 225 points. You've had a really good week, mate. So you're now in 97. So you're in the top 100. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, 223 points behind yours, truly. But very good effort, mate. Jokes aside, you've had a really good week, pal. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> to, to be well fair, done, you. <laughs> thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, lovely to be patronised. I'm um, <laughs> oh, pleased. That, that's what I was trying to achieve with that. Little segment, yeah, yeah, no, you did patronise me. Don't worry. Um, I think the thing is, I I think I've really mucked out today as well because there's no way I, mean, I can't remember what I put, but there's no way I put Sheffield United to beat Aston Villa. And I oh, don't, same, same. Uh, so I'm hoping you didn't. The annoying thing was this weekend. I called a couple of results. I was like, yes, well done. Good call on that. And then I looked and you'd called the exact same thing. I'm like, for goodness sake, I need you not to call the same as me on these ones. And uh, yeah, I actually took a bit of a gamble this week. I tried, I predicted that we'd get a, um, a booking at Man City. So for once, I didn't do the no booking option. And I actually tried to guess the player, got it wrong. So it's got the same amount of points as you. But uh, but I did try book it, uh, try and guess it. Um, one thing I might have this week, which I, I, I haven't checked yet, but won't have shown up yet, is I think I've predicted the fastest, the first team to score as well. Oh, you're joking. What, at the well, moment you're on you're on course to getting that right? I think so. I think so. I can't, I seem to remember that whoever I predict, I remember thinking, oh, great, they've scored really early. It might have been I had Manchester United, possibly. I can't remember, I can't remember who I had, actually, to be honest, mate. But whoever I had, I remember thinking... Or is it Tottenham? Oh, no, I can't remember, mate. But whoever I had, I remember thinking, brilliant. I think I've got that one right. So it could be an extra sort of 20, 30 points coming on that one as well. Oh, I'll tell you what, mate. You know, I said to you the other week, you just need one storming weekend like I had last weekend. And things start getting tasty again. So who knows? It's going to be interesting, mate. The running's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, well, let's see. And I mean, at the end of the day... Um, I'm not too bothered about it, really. It's, it's just a game, and um, <laughs> you know, you know like things things can be. You know, there are more important things in life. To be fair, and um, yeah, if if I can catch you up, then happy days. If I can't, then it's just life, isn't it? You just know that if it was the other way round, you'd be fucking slaughtering me and gloating left, right, and centre at the moment. I know you, mate. I know how much this is hurting you. That's why I enjoy the segment more than anything else. I <laughs> um, listen, really important question. West Ham have played 26 games so far. After four more, we'll be down to the final eight fixtures, which is where it will start to get very intense. We know you've called a win against Leeds, as I have. But what we're saying about Man United away, Arsenal at home, and Wolves away? They're all very tough games, aren't they? Yeah, Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, Man United away. Uh, so we played well there. So you take the cup game mm. as well. You know that went that 
was an extra time goal that they scored, um, and that was unlucky. And Man United are inconsistent. I mean, like I said, it was nil-nil at half-time to Crystal Palace just then. Let's just have a quick look, um, and it's still nil-nil at 51 minutes. Um, I um, I think it's... Uh, if you're going to go on league table, I guess they're going to beat us. It's hard to predict because, like I say, Man United are inconsistent and, you know, we are as good as anyone on our day. Could get a draw there. But let's say probably a loss I would go with. Mm. Yeah, I'm sort of, I'm, well, I'm, yeah, on Man United, I'm torn between a, a loss and a draw. It's, it's a tough game. I mean, I know not the Man United of the 90s, but they've still got, a team of stars, aren't they? So they fucking should do. They've spent an absolute fortune. Yeah. Um, it's always going to be difficult. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to try and be optimistic, but at the same time, try and be realistic with these three predictions. I'm going to go for a draw, Man United. Uh, yeah, see, I can see a draw. So I'm not like, saying, no, you're wrong there, mate. I can mm. see. To be honest with you, I think I can see a draw from every game because the mm. wall, the walls, one's away, isn't it? And yeah. uh, Arsenal's at home. And, you know, if it had been Arsenal a month or so ago, I'd have thought, fancies our chances to beat them. But they beat Leicester um, recently, didn't they? And they seem to be picking a little bit of form now. And mm. I always find that we struggled against Arsenal in, in recent years, um, particularly at home. Um, so I just, I just don't feel comfortable with that and Wolves are a good team as well so I think if we could get three points out of those three games I think I'd probably take that you know and I know that's a bit of a, a negative outlook particularly when we go for fourth but it wouldn't be the end of the world if we could get three points out of those three games mm. well they're three tough games um, Arsenal they don't frighten me like they used to I don't think they're the team they used to be especially away from home I can see us winning that Wolves, I think, is arguably a tougher game than Arsenal at home, to be honest. I would call a draw. And again, this is my optimism kicking in because I haven't called one defeat out of those three. You know, I'm not being funny, mate. I still maintain, as well as we're doing, that, that West Ham are the most unpredictable team in the league. There really isn't a scenario with all three that surprised me. We could no. lose all three, draw all three, or win all three. You yeah, know, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but again, really important games, which once again highlights just how massive... Monday is for West Ham. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. You know, you're going to be up there with the big boys and start talking Champions League football. You know, as they say, if, you, if you're going to be the best, beat the best. And uh, you'd start looking at the likes of Man United and Arsenal in terms of club stature. You've got to win these kind of games to be up there. So time will tell. But if ever there's a season to do it, X, it's got to be this season because um, it's such a feel-good factor around this club at the moment. You know, we've got a, a good group of boys there without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I agree, mate. It's uh, it's the perfect time, and and as I say, the league is so inconsistent at the moment and so unpredictable. Hence, why you're doing so well at a predictions game, and it's uh, <laughs> and uh, and it's just random, and um, and uh, because it is like, like you wouldn't have expected Arsenal to be. 11th or whatever they are 10th mm. you know Tottenham to be doing so badly Liverpool to be doing so badly I mean say so badly they're like 4th or 5th aren't they but you know they're not 4th because we're 4th 5th or 6th um, but um, you know Liverpool you would thought have been challenging Man City more you know it, it's it's um, 
it's a random season. And I think, you know, when, like I say, the home and away advantage isn't as clear cut as it used to be, um, when you've got fans in and stuff, um, it, it, this is the season to do it. 100% it's the season mm. to do it. And, you know, we've got nothing to lose because if we go for it and we don't quite make it and we finish in the top half of the table, I mean, yes, it'll be a disappointment compared to where we are now, but the grand scheme of things, I think if you was to, if we was to go back to the podcast, we probably did on the eve of the start of the new season, probably both you and I said, as long as we're not in a relegation battle this year, then then it'll be good. So compared to that, you know, we've done well. So I think we need to hold on to whatever really happens from this point. Now, obviously if we lost the next 11, games you might change your mind but that's not going to happen whatever really happens from this point onwards now it's been a good season uh and Moyes 100% deserves backing in the summer and I just think we just try to take some positivity out of whatever happens going forward now Mm. well I've heard a few whispers about club activity this week but of course there's only one man I'm turning to for the facts To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.